Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at Heights Baptist Church in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for joining us today online. If you would like to connect with us, you can go to our Facebook page, you can go to our Instagram, or you can go to our website at heightschurch.org connect. Thank you for joining us. Well, I want to say good morning to you if you're a guest with us today. Uh, my name is Lee, and I'm one of the pastors here at Heights, and it's uh, good to have you. If you have a Bible with you, uh, on you, or uh, you know, electronic paper copy, whatever you may have, I'm going to invite you to turn to Psalm 61. Uh, the choir just sang a, a good bit of that psalm uh, because Psalm 61 is a song, and so those what the psalms are. Those are songs that are written, and so we are going to continue our series series, A Journey to Healing, this morning, uh, where we are looking in the month of September uh, about mental health uh, and, you know, how we can find our help and our hope uh, in Christ. And it's often that we put a lot of attention uh, to our physical health, which we need to do. Uh, we put a lot of attention to our spiritual health, which is very important, and we need to do that as well. But one of the things that we often neglect is our mental health and uh, how we can mentally be healthy as believers in Jesus. And so what we are also doing, uh, instead, in, in addition to just these sermons we're walking through in September, is we've got some resources for you. Uh, so if you would like some books to read, uh, if you need to see a counselor and would like some counseling, uh, you can go to our website, just heightschurch.org uh, slash resources, and there you will be able to find some books we recommend for you, some counseling centers as well. Uh, if you contact the Sagemont Counseling Center and let them know you're a part of Heights Baptist Church, you will get a discount on that. Uh, if there are financial needs for you, uh, please let us know. We do not want cost to be an issue for you that prevents you from going to get some good biblical counseling. So please let us know uh, if we can come alongside of you and help you in that way as well. And then another resource that we have for you this month uh, are some podcast episodes that Daniel Perrin and I uh, sat down and talked through some mental health issues and how we navigate those as believers, how as parents we talk to our children about mental health as well. So you can find those podcast episodes just on your podcast app on your phone, anywhere uh, you grab those from, you can get it. Also on our YouTube page, you'll find that as well. So then this first episode, uh, we talked about the stigma that sometimes is on us as Christians when we get battle depression and worry and anxiety and mental health things, because sometimes people go, well, if you were just Christian enough, you wouldn't have all these problems, you know? And so we kind of talk through uh, how that's really not a good, healthy way to look at those issues and, and then how we can create an environment as a church, to be able to say it's a safe place in the house of God to go, I need help and I'm not okay. I need somebody to stand beside me and encourage me. So that next episode is going to come out this Wednesday and then the final episode uh, the, the uh, Wednesday after that. So I encourage you to take a listen to those as well. Really appreciate uh, Danielle uh, sitting down and just being vulnerable and using her knowledge and helping you guys. And I don't know if I did this last week, but do you mind if you thank her? Let's just thank Danielle for sitting down and doing that. That is just a big, big help uh, that it is. And uh, I had a lot of fun with her. I mean, I, I think those, those three are just absolute, you know, dynamite episodes. 
not because I was involved, but because she was, all right? And so I encourage you to listen to those, and I think they're going to be very, very helpful to you. Psalm 61 is where we want to be this morning. If you don't mind, if you're able to stand again, and let's stand as we read the Word of God together. Uh, the title of the psalm, kind of the, the subscript there, is to the choir master with string instruments of David. So David is the singer-songwriter of this psalm. He picks up in verse 1, he says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Verse 4, he says, Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows you have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Verse 6, he says, Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. In verse 8, he concludes, So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Father, we have opened your word, and we pray you open our minds and our hearts to receive it. Thank you for a time where we get to sing songs about you and to you and for you. That also encourages us as we sing them. And Lord, we pray now for encouragement from your word, uh, but Father, also correction that we may need in our lives. And Father, we just pray you deepen our faith. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, Psalm 61 is really an incredible short psalm because uh, the author of this psalm is David, and David is writing this psalm out of really a very, very hard time in his life. What is happening in David's life at this point is we kind of put the, uh, what's going on in 1 Samuel chapters 15 through 18. So that's kind of your historical context for the psalm. And what's taking place in David's life is Absalom, his son, has rebelled against him. He's out to kill his dad and take over the kingdom. And so David has fled from his kingdom. He is now out in hiding. He's on the run from his own son, Absalom, who's out to kill him and take his kingdom. Boy, that's going to be a fun Thanksgiving dinner, right? I mean, you're like, you're like, man, I got family issues, but at least I'm not that with David. But this has caused like severe, deep pain in David's life. And David, I think here, teaches us a principle that is so important for us as we deal with our mental health struggles at times. Whether you're dealing with depression, worry, anxiety, whatever that may be in your life, David's principle that I think we pull from this text can help me and it, it can help you. And as I've been thinking about it more and more this week, it has really kind of helped me in moments where I've had some struggles. And, and here's the principle I want you to get today from the text. I believe we have it on the screen for you. And it's this. If you can trust God with your tomorrow, then you can trust God with today. And that, that means this. As believers in Jesus Christ, if you trust God to forgive you of your sin... And when you die, take you to heaven to be with him for all of eternity, all right? So as believers in Jesus, if you say, hey, I've got that trust today in tomorrow, being with Christ, and I'm trusting him with that and what he's done in my life to take me to heaven and forgive me of all my sins. I'm trusting in God with my tomorrow, my eternity in heaven. If I'm doing that, then I can trust him today. I can trust him in these problems I've got today. 
I can trust Him in the mental anguish and, and worries and things that I'm dealing with and the situations I'm going through today. And so when we start the psalm and we look at the song that David has penned, we look at a cry that he is giving out to God. And, and he says in verse 1, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. That, that word cry there, it's an emphatic plea. It's coming from a, a pit of emotion and despair that's rarely accessed in our lives. All right? But it, when it is accessed, it is accessed in deep, pain. Right, so the word cry is not like you just watched one of the Hallmark movies and you cried at the end. No, no, no. It's, it's not a Hallmark movie cry. I mean, this is a, a deep anguish type of cry. The Hebrew word for cry here almost means a shrill type of cry. When was the last time you, you had that cry? I mean, that, that cry was accessed within the recesses of your soul when you found out some news that you never wanted to hear. The darkness in your life was so dark, you didn't know if any light was around you anymore. That's David here. That's the pain that he's feeling. He says, God, hear my cry. Listen to my prayer. Verse 2, we notice from where he's praying from. He says, from the end of the earth... I call to you when my heart is faint. The historical context, again, is 2 Samuel 17. David here is in a land that's east of the Jordan that belongs to the tribe of Gad. And he's to the far, far east. To Really, the Jewish people of the day said that's the ends of the earth. And so he's cut off from his family, cut off from his kingdom, cut off from the tabernacle, cut off from God in this pit of pain, crying out to God. And he says, lead me to the rock, verse 2, that is higher than I. That rock is a position of safety. Lord, lead me to you. God, let me feel your presence again. Remind me you're there. Remind me you haven't abandoned me. Is that you this morning? Is that your prayer? Lord, I, I want to know you again. I want to feel you again. I, I want to know I'm in your presence, God. I want to dwell with you, Lord. And in that the longing of all of our hearts on some level as believers in Jesus Christ, we always want to be with God. We don't want to feel disconnected from him. What we said in week one was a really important principle that we need to understand and remember in this part of the text. Week one of our series, we said this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul said that we need to learn to put our, our problems in proper perspective. And sometimes what happens with our problems is our problems become so big, and then our God becomes so small, and when God becomes small, now we lose hope. But if we can flip that, and can we remember God is so big, then when we look at this big God that is powerful and always with us, then those problems begin to shrink. Yes, there's still problems. Yes, they still hurt. Yes, they still cause pain. But when I keep the proper perspective, then I have hope in that situation that I'm in. Last week we looked in Psalm 42 where David prayed this. He said, I will hope in God for I shall again praise him. And what we said last week is when we come to God in these moments of pain and mental health anguish, that we can know at some point God is going to lift that darkness. God is going to bring about a resolution. 
that the faith that we carry is at the end of the day, God is going to work. But understand this, that as we go through these things in our lives, the depression, the anxiety, the worry, the dark moments, the mental health issues, I do not want you to think all I've got to do is pray one prayer. It's all better. All I got to do is open my Bible and read that one verse and it all goes away. All I got to do is see that counselor one time and he's going to fix it. No. Now, sometimes it may work that way because God's God. He can do what he wants to in our lives. But what God often does is he leads us through a process. And to get healthy mentally is often a process. And it's a long process at times. But notice in those moments where we go. We go constantly to the rock, verse 2. That as we're going through that process, as we're praying, as we're trusting God, as we're keeping our problems in proper perspective, we're constantly coming to this position of safety in the hands of God. Because when we're there, then it's okay to be vulnerable with God. I want you to hear that. Notice what David's saying in verse 1. God, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry. When you come to pray to God, be honest with them. Let them know what's on your heart. Let them know what's on your mind. Let them know the raw emotion of the moment you are in. Newsflash. He can handle it. He's God, right? It's not going to scare him. It's not going to freak him out. When you pour out your soul to God, he's not going to step back and go, whoa, hang on. Didn't see that one coming, right? I don't know what to do with this. Let me process for a few minutes, right? Now, sometimes you come to a human friend and you unload and they may go, whoa, right? I don't know what to do in the moment. Let me process. But here's the thing. You're coming. And with that prayer of pain that David shows you in verse 1 and verse 2, man, I'm just unloading in a safe place. This is my rock. This is my God who has redeemed me. This is the one who loves me. This is the one who says, I'm always going to be with you. This is the dad who says, talk to me. This is the dad who says, you've got my attention. And for some of you, You had a dad, an earthly dad, where you never felt like you ever had their attention. Maybe it was because of the TV show that was on. Maybe it was because of the newspaper that was in front of them. Yes, to the youth in the room, we used to read these things called newspapers, right? So maybe today it's the phone that is in front of them. Maybe it's the paperwork from work they brought home. And for some of you still as adults, You long for the attention of your earthly father. Listen, you always have the attention of your heavenly father. He's always there. He just says, talk to me. Relate to me. Know what's going on. I'm your rock. And notice what David prays in verse 4. And this is a part of the prayer that you and I can pray. He says, Lord... Let me dwell 
in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. So I was preparing this message this week. There's there's times I prayed for this. We prayed as a staff this morning. I prayed this verse for many of you. That God, would you remind people they can find refuge in you? Lord, those that are hurting, Lord, those that need help, I'm just praying they find refuge in you. Because notice when David says, let me dwell in your tent forever. That, that word dwell there, it's a verb meaning to sojourn as a traveler, uh, to stay in a certain place for a length of time as an outsider. So it's a verb that means to sojourn as a foreigner. You're going to stay in a certain place for a length of time as an outsider. So just to kind of break it down, you're going to travel and stay as an overnight guest. That's the word dwell. David's saying, let me dwell in your presence forever. But David also knows that he's not a priest, he's a king. So David cannot dwell in the tabernacle in God's presence. Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies for once a year to offer the sacrifice on the Day of the Atonement. And even he couldn't dwell, stay, linger in the very presence of God. So David here is pointing us to something greater. He's saying, Lord, let me dwell permanently with you. And David's pointing our eyes to heaven. Let me dwell with you in your tabernacle, tent, depending on your translation, forever. Let me be with you forever. He's pointing us to heaven, that longing all of us have in heaven. So how do you dwell with God? How are you going to be in the presence of God forever? You know, for, for some religions, they're going to say, keep all the rules, be perfect, do everything that you need to do and, and keep a good, moral, perfect life. And that's how you dwell with God forever. Maybe you've got some friends who say something like this. Well, just be a good moral person. Let your good outweigh the bad, right? You have some bad days. Well, we all have bad days. We'll just turn around and have some good days. And at the end of the day, as long as your good outweighs your bad, and you've been a pretty good moral person, and you, you know, stay off the TV, and, you know, you're not a news report one night for wrong reasons, and, you know, you're okay. You'll be in heaven forever. You may even have some friends who say, it doesn't matter what you do. Because you just cut your own path to heaven and we all end up there at the end of the day anyway. So just worship whatever God you want to worship and do whatever you want to do because we're all in heaven because no loving good God would ever create a place called hell and send people there. So how do you dwell in the presence of God forever? Well, let me say all three of those options that I gave you are what I would say is a big theological term called baloney, right? Because they're all man-centered, and they're all man-made ways to try to attempt to get to a God that you, by your own efforts, cannot get to. Because you never can be good enough. You never can outweigh your bad with your good. That God was very explicit to say, no, there is a way to be with me forever, and that one way is through my son, Jesus. See, as the human heart longs to dwell with God, God knows that we on our own can't be in the righteous, perfect presence of him for all of eternity because of our unrighteousness. So God says, I know you want to be with me and I want to be with you. So I'm going to take the step for you to be able to dwell with me. I'm going to send my son Jesus 
to dwell with you. And he says this in John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen His glory. The glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says that when Israel was delivered from Egypt, for the people said, for I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and they all ate from the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed him, and that rock was Christ. So we come in the presence of God forever now, and in eternity, through his son Jesus, who has dwelt with us, who became like us in order to die for us, so we may have life and forgiveness and be in God's presence now and for all of eternity. Once you see this good news, if you trust God to bring you in his presence forever, if you're trusting in that tomorrow in heaven, I'm going to be with God forever. And you can trust him today. You can trust him today in those issues and pains and mental anguish that you have now. And in this prayer, David does something. And he shifts to a king. And in verses 5 through 7, he makes this turn where he prays this. And at first, we've got to ask ourselves, who is he talking about? Because he says, for you, O God, you have heard my vows. You've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Notice verse 6. This is where the turn comes. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. When you come to verse 6, you notice David is saying, God, Prolong the life of the king. Right? Let, let, his gener- let him you know, rule and reign for all generations. And we stop and think, well, who's he talking about? Which, which king? Well, let's apply the immediate context. The immediate context is David's praying for himself. God, I want a long life. I want to be king. I want to stay on the throne. Right? So he's praying for himself. Like, Lord, I, I, want, you to, I want you to lift these problems. Right? I, I don't want Absalom to kill me. I want to be back on my throne. I want to be back in my home. I want to be back with my family. Prolong the life of this king. But David widens the prayer. And he's praying for a king to come. Because David remembers that God has promised him that from your lineage will come a savior. From your genealogy will come a messiah. One that's going to rule and reign from your kingdom, your throne, forever. And David's praying what Isaiah knew when Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, of this king to come, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forevermore. It's what the author of Hebrews knew. When he wrote Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, according to this verse, and applied it to Jesus, when he said, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. David is praying right here with certainty that God is going to keep his promise. 
Lord, in the midst of the pit, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the mental anguish he's in, he's praying with certainty, God, I know you. God, I know you will keep your promise you have made to me of this one to come. So, Lord, I'm praying that you prolong the life of this king to come. May his years endure to all generations. May he always be enthroned forever because that's what you've promised. Let's put that prayer in your lap and my lap. Now let's talk for a moment about prayer in the midst of pain. For some of us, we have to come to the realization of this, that you may carry and work through in your life some of the issues that you're going through right now for a long time. Matt read the verse earlier, James chapter 1 and verse 17, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father from above. And you know, that verse is an awesome verse. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, right? And we can say, hey, do you agree with that church? And you say, what? Amen, right? Man, God, I got this good job. Woohoo! Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And I met my sweetheart, and we got married, and we got a good marriage. Woohoo! Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, right? I got my health back. All right, Lord, way to go. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, right? We can take all those things in our lives, and we can look at all those good things and we say, yeah, all right, Lord, way to go. I love that verse. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. I may kind of cross-stitch that out on the wall, get it on a coffee mug. Man, I'm going to love that verse. Just look at all these good gifts God has given me in my life. Got the raise at work, the lady I was praying for. We've got two kids that actually listen to us as parents. Like, woohoo, right? Some of you don't know that. All right, that's okay. It's okay. Sorry, bad illustration. Yeah. But you're, you're looking at all those good things, and you're like, yeah, all right, every good and perfect gift comes from God, Father, and above. Have you thanked God for the depression? Have you thanked God for the cancer? Have you thanked God for the autism? Have you thanked God for the emotional pain you're in? Wait a minute. Every good and perfect gift. Like, no, no, these, these things are good, right? got the rays, I got the sweetheart, got the kids, got the cars, got the house, right? God's blessed me. Have you stopped and thought that in the moments of pain and sorrow and darkness and hardship are the greatest opportunities to build your faith? And God, in his sovereignty, wisdom, Grace, love, may say here is a good and perfect gift that I'm going to give you for a time, for a season. That in your life, stay with me, he says, stay with me, I'm going to redeem. And I'm going to take you through a valley that you have never been through. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be tough. But he says, I'm going to be with you. See, we can recognize good, perfect gifts and throw our hands up all over here with all of the good material things. But God grows you and takes you at a different spiritual level. Not through those moments, but through this. 
through the Alzheimer's, through the dementia, through the depression, through the Parkinson's. Because it's there in the valley, in the darkness, where you have to learn, God, you are my rock. You are my strong tower. You are my safety. I say it this way. When problems come into your life, you have two options. You're either going to worship him or you're going to walk away from him. It's your two things. When those moments come, you're either going to worship or you're going to walk. And if you have built a theology of God only gives me good, good, good things, right? And I'm going to love him because of all those good things, but you've not built your theology on, wait a minute, goodness can still come from this. God can still redeem this. God is still working in this pain. God is still working in this depression. God is still working in this circumstance. Because notice David with certainty is praying, verse 7, may he be this king enthroned forever before God and appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. That means this, right now today, you can pray with certainty in your problems these things. You right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter the level you're going through it, you can pray as a disciple of Jesus with certainty, God, you are at work in my life. Maybe I don't see it all, maybe I don't understand it all, but God, you're still at work. I can pray that with certainty. You can pray with certainty that God is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory that we went over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that is beyond all comparison to what we go through in our life. So a disciple of Jesus in the middle of the pit, in the middle of the pain, I can pray with certainty, God, you're still at work. God, you're preparing an eternal weight of glory for me that's beyond all comparison to what's happening in my life right now. You can pray with certainty this. One day the darkness is going to lift. You can pray with certainty this. One day you will be healed. You will be healed from all the mental health issues. You will be healed from all the physical issues. You will be healed with all of the spiritual issues. One day, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you will be healed. Amen? And that healing, we are promised, is in heaven. That healing is in heaven for all of eternity, no more. That might mean you take Parkinson's to the grave. That might mean you battle depression all your life and take it to the grave. That might mean you take cancer to the grave. But the good news of those that are in Christ Jesus is it doesn't go any further than the grave. Amen? That's it. That's the hope we have. That's the certainty we can pray with. That's to know I may walk with this struggle forever, but I'm walking with God and he is with me. And when that moment comes of my transition from this place to that place, that problem stays and it's done. That's the greater miracle. So for some of you, you prayed for your loved one to get better. You prayed for that healing for that friend. In this side of heaven, God chose not to do it. And you might have in the pit of your stomach, did I pray wrong? 
Did God answer? And I have enough faith? <laughs> no. God just chose to do the greater miracle. Could have taken it all away now. But he just told you and he told me, watch what I'm about to do in the life of your loved one. I'm going to heal them for all of eternity. And you and I can pray with certainty today that if we trust God with tomorrow, we trust him right now. We're trusting him tomorrow. We trust him today. And that leads us to a response. It's a commitment that we need to make to God that David makes in verse 8. We're praying with confidence as we're crying out that God is working. But verse 8, notice this commitment. He says, so I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day to day. David says, Lord, God, I, I know you're going to work. I'm praying with confidence here. You're going you're to change this. And Lord, I, I'm just going to perform my vows day to day. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to keep worshiping you. I'm going to keep following you. And, you know, for some people, they think Christianity is all about, well, I'm going to behave right and I'm going to do right and I'm going to worship right and, and I'm going to get God's attention. And because of all the great things I'm going to do, God's going to bless me, right? And so you're, you're kind of up there, you know, you're, you're singing, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're like, okay, Lord, I'm doing all these right things, right things, right things, right things. I'm doing it all so you can bless me. No, stop. <laughs> if that's you, stop. Maybe you need to look to your neighbor and be like, hey, if that's you, stop, right? I mean, just like, stop. Don't do that. It's wrong. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to make God this like vending machine. All right, I'm going to put in a little prayers, E4, raise at work, right? Get out of the bottom. I'll put in a little Bible study, F8, new car. Like, and you know how the vending machine gets stuck, right? You got to like shake it kick it, right? Man, man, I didn't read my Bible enough. I'm, I'm going to read through Revelation. I'm going to try to like, understand that book. So I'm shaking a little harder. Oh, there's the new car. Right? So I'm going to just do all this behavioral stuff to, to get the blessing of God. No. It's not the way it works. Christianity is all about, man, hey, look how God's blessed me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Once was blind, but now I see. Look at the way God's worked in my life. So what am I going to do? Lord, Lord, I'm going I'm to praise you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. I'm not obeying you to kind of like keep the vending machine Christianity thing going. I'm praising you. I'm honoring you. I'm worshiping you because of what you've done. Because of how you've blessed. Because how you're working. And what my promise is, if you trust God with your tomorrow, you can trust him with today. You know, there's a, a moment in boxing history. Some of you are going to uh, remember this. It was November 25th, 1980. For those of you that are kind of sports nuts like me, this is one of the most famous moments in all of boxing history. It's Roberto Duran versus Sugar Ray Leonard, and they fought in the Superdome down in New Orleans, and this is their second fight. Now, Duran won the first fight, but on this night, it is all Sugar Ray's night. And, I mean, Sugar Ray is just beating Robert Duran, like, you know, a dad taking a kid out behind the woodshed. I mean, this thing just isn't close to the point in the seventh round that Sugar Ray Leonard just starts taunting Robert Duran. In the end, almost right at the end of the eighth round, something happens that had just, it's one of the most iconic moments in boxing history and really in sports history. 
right as the eighth round is about to end, and I mean, Sugar Ray is just pummeling Robert Duran. This is not his night, right? He throws up his hands. He turns his back on Sugar Ray, and he starts walking to his corner. He's waving his hands, and he says, no mas, no mas. And he sits down in the corner in the middle of the fight before the bell rang. He said, no more. I don't want to fight anymore. No more. And right there in the middle of the fight, he quits. No more. No mas. No mas. For some of you, that's where you are. Right now today, no mas. No more. No more. I'm tired of the left hook of depression. I'm tired of the right jab of anxiety. I'm tired of the uppercut of physical pain. Tired of the body blows of spiritual depression. Right now in your heart, it's heavy. And you just want to throw up your hands and go, no more. No mas. No, I, I, I'm done. I'm done with God. I want to walk away with God. I don't want any more of this. That's you. Let me appeal to you in this. Don't quit. Don't give up. God is still at work. And here's what you and I need to do when we want to put our hands up and go, no mas. It's to fix our eyes upon the one who's already ran the race for us. The author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so clings to us so closely. Let us run with endurance the race, the life that is set before us, looking I love the way one translation says, fixing your eyes to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. This morning, you put your eyes on Christ in this mental health race. Put your eyes on Christ in this race of life. And every time you get that left jab, that right hook, that uppercut out of nowhere, and you want to walk away and say, no more, no moss, I'm done with God. You look at Christ, who is the author and the finisher and the perfecter of your faith, and you remember these words that we're about to sing. You are my battle shield, sword for the fight. You're my dignity, you're my delight. You're my soul shelter, you're my high tower. Come raise me heavenward, O power of my power. If you trust him with your tomorrow, you can trust God with your today. I want to thank you so much for watching today's message and just want to ask you an important question. And it's essentially this. Have you made a decision in your life to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life? You know, there's a man in the Bible one time that came up to Christ and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And maybe today you're sitting there thinking that exact same thing. I know I have a lot of things in my life, but I'm not sure I have eternal life. I'm not sure I have the forgiveness of my sin that's promised by Jesus in the Bible. And Christ told that man, you have to follow me. And so that's what the Bible tells us, that in order to be saved, we follow Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. And to follow him means this, we trust him. By faith, we're trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ. By faith, we're trusting in his death, burial and resurrection from the grave 
for the forgiveness of our sin. And so in order to start that relationship, place your trust and faith in Christ. I know a lot of people maybe overcomplicate it, but the Bible says what you do is pray. Just call out to the Lord. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls out the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I just want to encourage you right now where you are, if you're ready to begin a relationship with Christ, you can simply just bow your head and pray with me. Say, Dear God, I'm ready today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. By faith, I trust in His death, burial, and resurrection. God, thank you for saving me from my sins and giving me eternal life with you. I want to invite you, if you prayed that prayer with me, to let us know. You can go to heightschurch.org connect. And there on that connect page, you're going to see a little tab that says decision. You click that decision, fill out that information. That's going to come right to me and we'll be in touch with you no matter where you are because our mission here at Heights is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. So we want to just help you take that next step of faith. So go to heightschurch.org slash connect, click that decision button, and let us know that today you began a relationship with Christ. Till we see each other again, God bless.